Welcome to Thrive HR, a podcast by Thrive Pass. In this show, we sit down with industry leaders to explore the world of HR and everything it has to offer. I'm your host, Andreas Deptola. During the interview process, we really skilled our managers to be listening for mindset versus skill set. And what I mean by that is, are they going to have the right attitude and behaviors that we want culturally to be here at Anthem? On today's episode of Thrive HR, Andrea sits down with Brian Martin, Senior HR Business Partner at Anthem. Andreas and Brian talk about implementing employee initiatives to create and sustain successful teams. Good morning. Hi, good morning. Tell us about a fun fact that your team you're working with doesn't know about you. Oh, man. So my team currently knows that I am very theatrical. However, I think one thing that they don't know specifically is that I was in a traveling performance group for three years where I sang, danced, performed on stage for hundreds, thousands of people probably over those three years. So I was doing that professionally right out of a little bit in high school and a little into college. But then of I chose the career of HR. That's awesome. I I can I can imagine that was a really exciting time. And the the one thing that like you know reminded me of is Ryan, funny side note here at Thrive Pass, we have this rule if you late to any meeting for more than three minutes, you have to sing. Ah. And for people like me, it's a real punishment. Nobody wants to hear that. I guess you you kind of like You're doing it on purpose. Exactly. <laughs> you would be on the opposite side. So 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 from the performance, from the stage, right? How did you how did you end up in, in HR? Tell us about yeah. that. So it's it's actually a funny translation of how that all came to be. So when I graduated from college and I got into the workforce, you know, entry level position, I was a processor for a property and casualty insurance company. And within the year, they said, man, you have a really good knack for helping others and learning and developing when it comes to the process and the business as a whole. So the learning and development team within the HR unit tapped me and said, would you be willing to be a trainer for us? And so I moved up into training and got that promotion, did that for you know a good couple of years as a trainer. And then for the business unit specifically, and then they said, you know what, you'd be really good at the soft skills and the management side. So then I dabbled into the learning and development, leadership development space and did that for many years. And then I wanted to broaden my horizon within HR and learn, you know, the more the transactional benefits, payroll, and really start to get it all underneath my belt. And I managed a team of HR business partners. I myself am an HR business partner and now, you know, direct a uh, HR business partner function here at my current company. So that's how I came to be. It all started with the performing piece, then the learning and development, and then expanding my horizons into all of HR from a talent management perspective. And, and you know, it seems like you have, you have a very holistic view and exposure to HR, right? Tell us a little bit about... Where's your true passion, right? What was in HR is, is really the driving motivator to get you out of bed in the morning. And then also outline the the current position. What are you currently doing? What's kind of like sure. the scope of your, of your role? Yeah, so what gets me up and gets me excited and motivates me is really career development. And 
I understand the business. I like to think of myself as a business consultant who just happens to know HR and happens to dabble in the people side of the business. So with that being said, I can see the outliers, gaps, any of those from the business perspective to then say, hmm, so-and-so has this skill set that I know that would be a great opportunity for them. Or so-and-so has a skill set that I know they need experience with. So let me take them and put them in a stretch assignment and help connect those people to those business gaps, if you will. So that is something that excites me of upskilling, reskilling, moving people around to make sure that the business is being supported 100%. So I would say that's definitely a huge passion of mine. And then in my current role as an HR business partner, senior, that is my official title. However, I do manage a very large organization within our clinical operations for Medicaid, specifically here with Anthem. And I have a staff of 2,600 people that I oversee alongside my vice president, clinical operations. He is the mini CMO of Anthem. So he's a chief medical officer. So all of the staff that I do oversee are 90% of them are licensed with either nursing degrees, medical directors, doctors, behavioral health as well. So they are licensed in some form or fashion. So that is who I'm overseeing over 26 states uh, within Medicaid and here at Anthem. And Brian, to, to make it a little bit more, more, more tangible, maybe for, for the audience that doesn't know exactly what medical uh, Medicaid stands for, like maybe outline to us the concept there. And then also for the majority of these licenses, what, what, what does their day to day look like? In the sense of Medicaid, it is a government program. So we do have government relationships with state partners. And of course, in partnership with the federal government. However, most of our dealings are with the Medicaid programs that are housed by the state and are run by their state. And we are looked at to the state as their partner to manage all of their uh, Medicaid needs to make sure that we are running a budget that is favorable to them at, at the state level to make sure that they're not going over budget from a medical standpoint. So we may make sure that we made that budget uh, in partnership with them to make sure that we're making sound business decisions with our healthcare and the members of that state. So that's a little bit of what they're going to be doing, but how the nurses and the doctors really come into play in the tangible side is let's say you're going to the doctor and you're a Medicaid patient um, or somebody who is on the Medicaid plan for that state. And the doctor says, yep, you know, these labs look um, pretty wacky. We need to make sure that we are making sure that your health is 100% taken care of here. So I'm going to refer you to this doctor to have, you know, maybe a specialist to have more blood work done or more something else looked at. They're going to then refer them over there. They're going all those labs and all the blood work and the doctor itself as a provider will then come through and say to us as the healthcare company, as a pre-auth or a pre-authorization to make sure that that is something that looks from the medical charts that is sound. So if they're saying, you know what? Yeah, that absolutely absolutely makes sense. We need to make sure that that person is healthy. Then we're, we're going to approve that authorization for that to happen. Or the nurses and doctors will then say, hmm, by the charts here and my medical uh, necessity, by looking at this, something's not right. 
something's not adding up. Maybe there was a mistake. So let me call the provider and ask them, was this something that we need to look into further? Is this really truly what your you know diagnosis is? Whatever that may be, they have the opportunity to then say, you know what, this doesn't meet the ne- medical necessity of what it is that you are saying. So we're going to have to deny that pre-authorization because it does not meet the criteria and what it should be. So it's I think of us as a big quality assurance when it comes to partnerships with the state to make sure that we're all doing the right thing for our members. And I'm sure that that's not an easy role, right? For various uh, reasons that we can all imagine. How has their work and your work been impacted by the pandemic? What, what shifted? Well, as as everyone had shifted, what the, what had shifted with Anthem was there was a good and a bad. So the good, I would say, is because we are nurses, doctors, health professionals that are sitting at a desk behind a computer that does not have direct relations with the patient. Therefore, people went, oh, man, I'm already in the direct space and the direct healthcare space. This is a pandemic. I can't be in here. I have children. You know, I I need to get out. So therefore, we saw a very large uptick in applications to come join our company to get out of that direct space, which, of course, we were sitting here going, "Woo, we're going to fill our open roles and this is going to be really easy. Right. There is some there is something to be said that there is the right mindset for people to be sitting behind a desk and talking to how we are right now in a remote sense. And typing on a computer, looking at chart and not having that direct patient care interaction. And so what we saw once we you know, hired all these people massively to fill our open roles, we then started to see in year two of the pandemic, some dropping off of, you know what? I really did miss the direct space. I'm willing to, uh, this is the reason why I went to nursing school or whatever it may be. I really want to get back in the direct space. And I'm willing now that we have vaccines and all this stuff to then go back to the direct space. So we, of course, are going to honor that. Absolutely. That is a true passion. Then, you know, whenever you want to come back or if you want to come back, we'll be here. So we did have some exits because of those reasons to go back to the direct space. But then we had a lot of people do, uh, they are staying because they have the Monday through Friday, eight to five holidays off. You know, they're not working for tens and, you know, some of the overnight shifts and stuff like that. So I would say we, we had a mixed bag of everything going on, but we are starting to see some people say, you know what, pandemic is closing out, hopefully, right? And I want to get back into the, the direct patient care space. We will manage that and mitigate that. But, you know, one of the great things that we have here at Anthem, because we're such a large company, is a very robust learning and development partnership with our internal HR learning and development. And one of the big things that we do is the upskilling and reskilling and making sure that people do have a career projection here at Anthem. So we heavily, and that's a big part of my job too, to say we have a lot of things going on in all parts of Anthem, not just Medicaid. How can we help you design your career here and for us to stay and, you know, you know, be happy. And that is to buy upskilling and reskilling people to continue their employment with us. So Brian, before we go into the the topic of upskilling and reskilling and all that, which is like fascinating, I want to go back to one thing that you that you said that was really interesting. You mentioned that like 
hey, out of the people we, we we hired, right, you know, six months, 12 months down the road, certain people said like, well, you know, for whatever reason, this is not the right job for me anymore. I want to work with a patient or the, there might have been other reasons, right? It's, it's kind of like false positives, right? You hired somebody, mm-hmm. it's, it's not the right fit. At that scale that you are, right, have you seen any any data, any correlations where you could say like, um, hey, like characteristic or like a certain indicator that would mitigate some of these hires where then you find out, uh, you know, three, six months later that it wasn't the right fit. How, how do you try to avoid that scenario? Is there a systematic way to do that? Yeah, so great, great question, fair question. And the answer to that is during the interview process, we've really skilled our managers to be listening for mindset versus skill set. And what I mean by that is, are they going to have the right attitude and behaviors that we want culturally to be here at Anthem? So we have position or uh, questions designed to really dive into the mindset, the skill set. Yeah, you got it. You got the degree, you got the license, like we get it. So we're not going to focus on asking you questions about stuff we already know you know how to do. It is now, how are you going to work in a team environment where we're remote and you're talking to a computer screen with what everyone thinks is gaming headsets um, on, but it's really just a, a fancy microphone. So how are you going to work in those environments to be, you know, what are you going to do to be successful? And you will start to see people say, you know what, I've never worked in this type of environment. So I, I will be transparent and say, this is going to be a very large learning curve. So how we go about helping those learning curves once we have hired them in the door is we do have a you know, 30, 60, 90 day transition plan that is, will help them with understanding how to work in this type of environment now and to be successful. So we do work with managers on stepping stone learning and development plans for that specifically. And, you know, the, this, this tool of a 30, 60, 90 day program that might be interesting for our audience to, to hear a little bit more about it. We at ThrivePass also use that, right? It's kind of a guiding principle of like, hey, here are the learning objectives, right? And then, you know, here's where we want you know the the progression be right it would be interesting to hear more about like how that tool specifically is used right and then also how far do you take it is that if somebody it's just not the right fit after 90 days do you work on a transition plan or how how far does this go luckily we've only had probably a handful of people where we we get to the 90 days and say very clear that this is not going to be the right fit um, for both of us, in those um, circumstances, we sit, they sit down with me and say, "Let's talk about your career." You know, don't talk about what's going on in your current role and the role that we had to fill. What do you want to be when you grow up? You know, let's answer help answer that question so then I can help plug and play. It is a great advantage that we do have. You know, around hundred thousand employees, we have plenty of jobs here at Anthem that I can help you navigate to. So we'd have this tool called a career navigator and this career navigator will really set, you know, by answering the questions, it is smart enough, the tool is smart enough to then start to say, okay, maybe they, we need to ask them more detailed questions about XYZ skill set or interests. So then we can say, you know what, when it's done, 
here would be some great areas or roles and departments that you would be successful in, or maybe you need to look into. So we use that tool first and foremost to help navigate their career here at AMP. And if it does come out and, you know, I have some openings, I just pick up the phone and just call those folks and say, hey, we have um, somebody that we hired. It's not going to work out for this position specifically. Great person. Don't want to lose them. Let's um, see what that would look like. Can you, you know, have an inter internal interview with them and help transition them over to that role if that's something that they're going to do or willing to do? So, so Brian, we frequently get questions from audio, our audience about, you know, tangible advice, solutions, technologies, and whatnot. You mentioned the career navigator. Is that something that Anson developed in-house? Is that your own proprietary solution? Or is this something that, you know, somebody that's interested in solving a similar problem could, could look sure. at on the market? So the bad answer you're going to get is that it is proprietary to, to Anthem. It is self-built with our Oracle platform. But yes, we, we do have that internally built and, and managed by our talent acquisition team and talent management partners. So unfortunately, that's a big no. But yeah, it, it is. It's not very robust. It's a lot when it comes to the HR business partner to help interpret. So I would say there's eight to 10 questions that they do ask them. But once we get that data, once we've had the conversation with that person, that's where I come in as the physical human being to help interpret the data to then say, you know what, this would be a great opportunity if we get them over to this area, whatever it may be. Understood. So it's really a combination of a tool, right, where you understand certain preferences and then like the human right. behind it who can then help to, to find right. a resource decision. Okay. So, so now going back, we talked a little bit about like, you know, on the front end, the hiring process, how do you, you know, get the right players in the right seat, so to speak, you know, through the pandemic, a lot of employers, and I would say specifically in healthcare, experience a lot of employee turnover, right? Tell us about like, how that affected, and if, if you're happy to share that from, from a numbers perspective, right? Sure. What was the, the turnover specifically in, in, in your unit? And then also, what are you doing on the flip side, on the retention side, right? To to keep the employees engaged and, and, and satisfied and fulfilled. Yeah. How we go, because of the pandemic and everything, how we, from a recruiting standpoint, our turnover at Anthem is... Industry average, which is 20 to 23% in healthcare, that is the industry average. If you did not know that, listeners. So it seems very high compared to most industries. However, healthcare does have a little bit more churn and burn because of the nature of the biz. Sure. Um, now, when it comes to Anthem, last year, we sat at 20% as Anthem as a whole. In my unit specifically, in Medicaid, because we're awesome. We had 12, 11, 12% turnover. So that's roughly equates to around 25 to 30 people in attrition a month. And for whatever reason. So it could be, you know, people were leaving for other opportunities. They could have left internally as well. So that, that number and that figure is including an internal mobility, which by the way, internal mobility at Anthem is like 37%. So that is a very large number compared to our turnover. So I think that has something to be said about we do promote from within and we are we do have processes in place to make sure that we continue that from a retention standpoint. Going back to 
kind of the turnover figures and, and how we routine is again the upskilling and reskilling. So we just keep people interested. You know, we have a lot of things going on. A lot of different uh, Medicaid plans are different. So if there is somebody that is wanting to learn um, a different skill set that they don't have in their current Medicaid plan, because we all work remotely now, I can easily say, well, great. Do you want to go work on the California Medicaid plan now? Because they have that opportunity and I have an opening. You know, this could be a great um, transition, but then we'll have to think about how we're going to backfill your role because you're so awesome. You know, that is going to be a gap. So it's a constant cycle of looking at who could move where, who can we help upskill and or reskill in their department. Now, people that I, in my unit, they have licenses. So your MDs, those medical directors and those medical doctors, they're going to be medical doctors. They're <laughs> try having a conversation with a doctor for all those maybe doctors that are listening. You already went through a ton of school and skilling. So I'm going to leave you alone and make sure that you hone in on the stuff that you are really, really good at and have your, your skilling in. Now, your nurses, this is where it gets really vague and they've passed their, their nursing license. They, you know, they have that. We have many different nursing opportunities within Anthem, but it's if they come in, let's say, as a utilization management nurse, which means they are reviewing authorizations from providers for the most of what it is that they're doing for their job, that could get old and that could get old fast, transparently. So that's where you need to have those, what do you wanna be grow up, when you grow up conversations to then say, well, if they're wanting to learn a little bit more about HEDIS, which HEDIS is a quality piece to healthcare, then let's get them, what would it take to have a nurse be in HEDIS and how would that translate in, over into that quality department? So they, nurses, when I say they, nurses have sometimes that, oh, I'm, I'm in this role and just because I'm a nurse and that's all I have to do. But what I like to do is help them realize that there are career progressions and career families here at Anthem. And here's what that looks like. And here's how you can get there. So we are going through a major this year. And one of my main initiatives this year is going to be the career family job ladder, career ladder progression, and getting in it a little bit more laxed with this career progression. Because right now, by the job descriptions, it's pretty black and white. But I'm going to help add some color to these to make sure that people are not saying when they're looking at internal opportunities, oh, I don't qualify for that, or no, that's not what I want to do because it's just this. Well, I'm going to add some of this flavor of, well, maybe there's going to be a little bit more in-depth learning in this area of the healthcare business, which you don't have experience in, but we need your type of skill set. So I'm just going to really help try to smooth out and get less rigid. And I think that is the, the what I learned through the pandemic is stop being so rigid, be flexible, and give people the opportunity because they will take it and they want to genuinely learn, grow with the company and within their, their skill set. And so if we don't provide the opportunity, then we're letting them leave. You know, that is definitely regrettable turnover. We need to continue to get those career ladders and progressions more flexible so then we can move them and keep them from a retention standpoint at Anthem. I just totally went crazy on 
on that. As you can see, I'm passionate about it, so I'll stop. <laughs> no, your you, you passion definitely comes through. This is this is fascinating. My my initial reaction when I listen to all of that is it's a really, really complex problem to solve at scale, right? Yes. The scale that, that yeah. you are at right, with thousands of employees. How do you measure success in all of this? Are there certain KPIs that you and your leadership team review on a, on a frequent basis? Or how, how do you quantify this? Yeah. So we have your typical HR scorecard or people scorecard. So that's always you know, fine and Dan to, to be managing to and from, which we do have successful numbers when it comes to the HR people side of things from a diversity, inclusion, and, and the turnover, like everything always looks gold star, you know, on paper. But behind the scenes, this is where I, I start to talk about our vitals. And our vitals program is, it, it seems silly. I'm going to be honest, it is something that pops up on your screen um, every week. And it says, how you doing? And it has the you know, ugly emoji face all the way up to the really excited emoji face, and then a, an opportunity to put in some commentary if you so choose. So it pops up on our screen at, at minimum once a week just to pulse check you on how you're doing. And you at first, when this first rolled out a couple of years ago, we didn't get hardly any interaction. But then once we started making some incentives around it and making it fun, we are now sitting at a 72% participation rate, which to me, I feel like for a company of 100,000 people, very successful. The favorability rate out of all of um, that participation is uh, a little over the 70% mark. So that tells us that when people are being checked in on, they're actually telling us positive things. They're actually telling us, I'm having a great day here at Anthem. It could be the days that they stubbed their toe when they got out of bed and they're just always, you know, whatever we could have done, they're going to have a bad day. But they could have said, you know what, I'm happy and here's why, you know, and, and we'll take that in consideration. But the general overview is that people at Anthem are happy. And, you know, maybe that's why we've won some, a lot of awards for top places to work. But this program, it, it is, it's kind of like a, 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 our yearly engagement surveys, mm -hmm. uh, which we all know is a, a snapshot in time. And even the vitals is a snapshot even more in time because it's reactionary, but it does tell us those, how our, how our people are being treated, how they are liking their, their roles, being at home, whatever it may be. And we, and we listen. So if there's comments in there, we do take them to heart and look into things that people have for suggestions, whatever it may be. So um, we do, there has been action to those vitals comments. So I think that's another reason why people participate because they've seen action out, out of it. So Brian, I think this, this is really interesting to me. Like, how do you get the feedback from your employees in a meaningful and actionable way, right? So I think we could do an entire podcast episode just about that. But like, let me maybe just like ask a couple of questions here to follow up. One, just to clarify, so the vitals that you mentioned, the poll survey, that's separate from the engagement survey, which presumably goes more into depth. Is that correct? Yeah, that is correct. Yeah. Okay. So, so then... You mentioned that initially there wasn't a whole lot of interaction, participation, right? But some incentives to change that. So maybe twofold question there. One is what kind of incentive did work? And then 
Number two is how do the employers access the tool? Sure. So to answer the first one, um, this is where we have to invest in the top-down mentality. So our CEO, Gail Boudreau, she is fantabulous. And she has, when we first rolled it out, within the first year, really, she talked about it anytime that she needed or wanted feedback. That was the, you know, how we wanted to hear, you know, using that vehicle. She promoted it on town halls of here's where we're at. She put it up on the screen. So this was becoming her daily language and how she would then interpret how she's doing as the CEO of the company that she's running. So we actually fed her that that vehicle to then have the associates use to be her guiding star of how she's doing. And so that's really how we message it in which it's not like a manipulative tool by any means. It's the truth. Like here's what uh, we wanted to, to have. And so that incentive right there was number one. The other incentive was your, you know, we had some te- managers can pull their own reports and they have access to do that. So then managers on the local um, level would have participation engagement, you know, win a gift card, you know, you love those. Yeah. All that, that fun stuff. So they would do some incentives that way, but the majority of how we got this vehicle successful is by top down CEO. She's using it. So therefore everyone's using it. Now to the second part of your question, how does it work? We actually have on all of our Anthem equipment, there is a program that is embedded in our computers and it does just pop up every, usually it's Wednesdays, I think, or no, I think I got one on Tuesday this week. So it's it's random, it's popcorn and it just pops up. This little thing on my screen says, how are you doing today? And you just click it open, answer it quickly and then move on. So it is not a disruptor of anything. You can say, you know what, I'm busy right now, uh, do it tomorrow. Or you can say, you know what, I'm good this week. So <laughs> um, you can close out of it completely. How is it actionable, right? So now, now I'm seeing like, hey, 45% of the department last week was happy. Now the same group, you know, turned around. Like, how can you get concrete insight out of that and make them actionable yeah. to improve the situation? So one of the things that happened here past October is one of our states went live with a different system that we manage all of our pre-offs out of. And so we had our nurses being in our, and non-clinicians to help train on this system prior to it going live. Once we went live, we did the training, we went live. So far, so good. We haven't heard anything. However, there was on the second week when we looked at vitals, it was a lot of unhappy faces and we were like, Whoa, what's going on? So immediately we got with the business and we said, what, you know, what did we miss here? You know, what are people saying? And we looked at the comments and apparently there was a flaw in one of the criterias for how we were meeting and it was messing up everyone's workflow and, and no one was really saying anything. So we were kind of confused on, Hey, you guys, this is a big miss. Like, why didn't anyone say, well, they were just trying to get through the work. It was brand new. So they were trying to catch up and it was popping up on my screen. So they were going, oh, you know, in the moment, they were having those charged moments. Fair enough. So then we immediately held a, you know, a fire drill meeting to say, 
how can we get this fixed? I pulled in all of my business partners to make sure that we understood what needed to happen. And within the next week, we had the system glitch fixed. So that was an immediate action that came and stemmed out of our vitals based on us looking at what was happening and all of a sudden this major flood of unhappies and um, them not using the right tool of going to their manager and, and, and using this because they were so focused on getting the work done contractually for our state plan partners. But yeah, we got it fixed. So that's a great, a great example of very ingrained in my brain on how we utilized our vitals to have a business success and an immediate success. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting, the example in the sense that like, it sounded like this might have gone on for another six, 12 months or whatnot, right? But mm. because you had that immediate feedback, clearly there was something wrong. You could dig into it. And like from there, the solution apparently wasn't all that, all that complex, right? Right, right. So yeah, thanks for sharing that. Brian, I want to take us back to the earlier part of the conversation where you managed, you talked about like remote work. What, what is now the, the plan specifically for your team, right? Yeah. Remote, going back, hybrid, what's, uh, what's the plan? Yeah, sure. So we, we were pretty flexible to begin with prior to the pandemic. However, we did have a lot of buildings across the nation and, and globally, quite frankly, and on our operations. However, once we closed all of our buildings down and pushed everyone home for pandemic, I think like most companies, we said, wow, there's been no glitch in any of this. And if anything, there's been better morale, better production, you know, same if not better production. So maybe there's something here. And as we go back now that the, again, crossing fingers, this pandemic, you know, de-escalates, hopefully and goes down in numbers, then we, we can start returning to work. And what that really looks like for us is, you know, why? I guess, why, why return? Why spend all those dollars if people don't want to do that anyway? And so we've kind of made a, a sense of where most of our associates live in the bigger areas. Our, our headquarters is Indianapolis, uh, Indiana. We have another huge operations in our Atlanta, Georgia office. So currently right now, starting last October, so October 2021, we had folks starting to go back to our Indianapolis. And then in November, we launched an Atlanta office. And what that really means to them is, hey, it's there. We've designed these buildings to what we now call pulse points. They are there for hoteling stations, for meetings, for people to come in when they need to um, or want to. However, prior to them doing that, they do need to still fill out a what we call WorkSafe application, even every day saying, I don't have a fever, I don't, I haven't been exposed. And so they're kind of, you know, signing off on their exposure um, that they haven't been exposed. So then while they're in the building, they can be safe with others. So those two I have opened. We do have a couple slated for 2022 to, to reopen. But again, we've been kind of in the in the place of everyone's killing it. So let's not um, be too pushy with us coming back um, to any sort of offices, unless the business need is that they have to be there. Then we're just like, yeah, let's just continue rocking and rolling. So it sounds like it's like an office by office rollout strategy, so to speak. What, what, what kind of uptake do you see from employees coming to the office? Is that 10%? Is that 90%? Is that somewhere in between? 
I would say it's quite low. I don't know the the direct correlation to that, but I, I I do have a feeling that it is quite low. To my knowledge, most of the direction has been you're good to stay home. It's just if you need to come in for a presentation or once a quarter to have a meeting, you know, with the team. So I would say that it is very low. Now there are some people like I, I'm a very people person. And so to be stuck in this little office here at home by myself, I don't have that interaction and I need that interaction, but I learned that I actually don't need that interaction because I can still get it um, by the, the practice flow, like what we're doing. So there are people that, you know, I have five kids at home. Do I want to be here with my five kids all the time? No, it's, there's a lot of distractions. I love my kids, but <laughs> so can I go into the office if I need to? Sure. But uh, you know, it's, we're leaving it up to the employee to, to make sure that they are making the right decision for themselves and their family. Yeah. And it sounds like from the structure of the work, from the scope, like specifically for the business unit you are managing it it's it's uh, a lot more feasible maybe than forefathers right and and, yeah. and and that's why you can embrace the the hybrid model so brian quick question for 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 you here as, as we're wrapping the conversation up where are you getting your inspiration from are there certain books certain podcasts certain conferences where you would say like you gotta you gotta be there you gotta read this you gotta listen to this in order to stay in tune with the HR community? Well, I'm a lifelong learner. You know, I got my bachelor's degree from Louisiana State University. So if there's anybody from Louisiana listening, go Tigers. And then I got my master's degree from an Arizona global campus. And my master's is in human resources development. And then I eventually got my certification in SHRM SCP, so a senior professional in that. And so with that being said, I, I feel like I'm I'm done. With education. <laughs> it was a formal can, education, I assume. Right? Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm done with that formal side. So when it comes to the industry and having those relationships and keeping up with the no, I, I got to be honest, you know, and hopefully some people listening can also understand that it, it's just a lot. And then when you got families, it's just too much, too much information. And sometimes it's information overload. And then with the pandemic happening, it was just, whoa. I just need to focus on me mm. and to slow down. And one of the things that gives me inspiration and in how I continue to learn as a lifelong learner, learner is now looking at my colleagues and actually reaching out to them intentionally to have intentional conversations with them because they have worked in an environment that I've never worked in or industry they I've never worked in. And I want to get their point of view, like what if this came, this um, business situation came to them, what would they do? I want to know what they would do. We have similar backgrounds from a you know tenure perspective in HR, but hey, I don't know how to do all of it all the time. So I like to reach out to my colleagues, you know, in the I'm in West Des Moines, Iowa. So I in my Iowa Des Moines area, I'll reach out to them, the local nonprofit chapters for talent development and SHRM. I reach out to them to say, can I just have a 10 minute conversation about this? Which, you know, 10 minutes turns into two hours with us. But I do, that's what really gets me going now is to really learn and understand what other people are actually experiencing and not just what someone's saying from a conference and standing up there and, you know, speaking about something that I can't put into action where I can talk to a colleague, get that download knowledge and have most of the time they're willing to share maybe something with me, wink, wink. 
that I can then manipulate and sort of recreating the wheel. And get some inspiration there. So it sounds like it, it's for, for you really uh, peer learning, right? Working with your peers in the industry. Yeah. Having those conversations. So as, as you're wrapping up, time is flying, right? What, yeah. If somebody wants to pick your brain, right? If somebody wants to connect with you, what's the best way to, to get connected? Yeah, sure. So my email is always going to be best because I, I live and breathe out of my email. That's how I manage my day. So I would absolutely be open to any questions. Feel free to email me. It's, my email address is Brian and I'm Brian with a Y. So I'm the better Brian's. So <laughs> B-R-Y-A-N dot Martin, M-A-R-T-I-N at Anthem. And that's A-N-T-H-E-M dot com. Perfect, Brian. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This podcast is sponsored by ThrivePass, a trusted HR partner for innovative benefits technology. From lifestyle spending accounts to pre-tax to COBRA administration, ThrivePass has you covered. We personalize benefits. You thrive as the employer of choice. More at thrivepass.com. Thank you.